So at the top of my notes, it says, asterisk, 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 bring an orange tree branch with fruit. But I have nothing. So you're going to have to, like, imagine an orange tree branch with fruit. I didn't have any oranges yet. I still just have flowers. And so um, I was going to sneak over by Marianne's house because there's some houses that have some oranges. But that probably would have been stealing. And so God spared me from going to jail or something. <laughs> Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much, God, for how gracious you are. And truly, like that last song we just sang, God, you are worthy of all of our adoration and so much more than that. And um, Lord, I know for so many of us, it's been just such a rough week. And yet, Lord, like, like we just sang, God, we choose to leave that all behind and turn our eyes toward the prize. God, we want our eyes fixed on you. We want right now to leave our week, our day, our month, our year behind. And we want to just keep going for you. God, we don't want any of these weights or sins that so easily ensnare us to slow us down. So God, would you call us to yourself tonight? our branch, our connector, our fruit bearer, our gardener, our sovereign Lord, would you call us to your side tonight? And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, do you ever feel left out? I personally can't stand that feeling of being left out, like almost more than any other feeling that the human mind can feel. I don't like to be left out. It takes you back to elementary school so fast where you have nobody that's picking you and you're just sitting on the curb, like begging the team captains with your eyes, please don't leave me on this curb last and alone again. It takes you back to junior high, where it takes me back. I don't know. Maybe you guys weren't as sad as me. It takes me back to junior high where, you know, your best friend was absent. Remember that day? Like where your best friend was absent. Who do I sit by? Where do I go? Who do I talk to? I can't stand being left out so quickly. Even at 37, I'm sure even at your age, it like leaves you mentally sucking your thumb, singing, nobody likes me, everybody hates me, I guess I'll go eat worms. We all want to feel like we belong. We all want to feel like we're wanted. We all want to feel like we have a place. We long for words in our life like planted, rooted, home, friend. You belong. Isaiah 32, 15 through 20 said, Until the Spirit is poured upon us from on high, and the wilderness becomes a fruitful field, and the fruitful field is counted as a forest, then justice will dwell in the wilderness, and righteousness remain in the fruitful field. The work of righteousness will be peace, and the effect of righteousness, quietness, and assurance forever. My people will dwell in a peaceful habitation, in secure dwellings, and in quiet resting places. Though hail comes down on the forest, and the city is brought low in humiliation, 
Blessed are you who sow beside all waters, who send out freely the feet of the ox and the donkey. We belong in this place. We feel alone because we forget that we're not. We feel unwanted because we forget that we are wanted so much that Jesus died specifically so that he could have us forever. We belong to a gardener. We belong in a garden. We belong on a tree. He's our branch. He makes us part of him. And I was looking up um, just some information and facts about branches this week. And a tree branch holds leaves, which in turn catch the sun's light, which a tree needs to produce the fuel it needs to grow. So without that branch holding the leaves up to the sun, the tree wouldn't have the nutrients that it needs. The leaves and the branches on a tree, they catch the water from the rain, and this water causes the soil around the tree to be wet. So it it works like this, and the, the water comes in, and it goes down the tree, and it waters the tree right at its base where it needs to be watered. And then the shadow of the branches, they cause the shade down at the bottom of the tree so that no new trees can grow. So that that tree has plenty of room, plenty of soil, plenty of nutrients so that it can have all that it needs to grow and to thrive and to strengthen its position. This is what Jesus is for us. He holds us up when we're weak, when we're weary, when we're dying, when we're tired. He holds us up to feel the sunlight. When we're dry, when we're parched, he causes the rain to fall on us. And he provides shade so that nothing else grows in us that he does not want near us. Following his work in our lives will always produce what this verse says. The peace, the quietness, the assurance, the security, the shade, the sense of belonging. Song of Solomon 4.12 says, You are my private garden, my treasure, my bride, a secluded spring, and a hidden fountain. Our branch is so in love with us tonight. And anything that he does to prune us, anything that he does to shield us, anything that he does to enlighten us is done out of love. That's what we need to remember. Remember in Mark chapter, 20, Mark chapter 10, a man comes to Jesus, and he's so near to the kingdom of God, Jesus says. You're so near. You're not far off. Yet he feels himself lacking something. And so he comes to Jesus in Mark chapter 10, and he says, what do I still need? He says, I know I'm close. I know I'm good. All that I've done for my youth. But something, something still is missing in my life. And Jesus, it said, looked at him, loved him. And he said to him, go your way, sell whatever you have, give it to the poor. You'll have treasure in heaven and come take up the cross and follow me. And it said that this man, so close to the kingdom of God, went away sorrowful. It was just too much for him. And those of us who don't have a ton of possessions, you know, I've already, I've always read this and just thought, oh, poor little rich boy, can't get rid of his stuff. Although, you know, in America, we have 
probably way more, even in a middle-class status, than this man probably had being rich in Israel back then. And, um, and I've always read this, and I thought, oh, poor little rich boy. Can't get rid of your stuff. Can't give up your gold and your clothes. But I was thinking about that this Sunday when we read it in the one-year Bible, if you're reading that. And it was so much more than that. It was so much more. Jesus just touched my heart at what was really going on in this man's mind. He was saying, sell your ambition, sell your dreams, sell your pride of who you are and who you're known to be. Sell your hope of what was to be, who you thought you could become. Sell your security of in case this following Jesus thing doesn't pan out. Exchange your prominence your pride, your upright good reputation of being a good kid and exchange it for being thought of as an unclean glutton, rebel, wrongdoer, shocking speaker, fatherless, for being mistreated, despised, rejected, looking down upon, having no home to be planted in. He wasn't just saying give up your money. He was saying give up all that you are, give up all people think you are, Give up all you hope to be, give up all you want to be, and come empty-handed and follow me who is despised, rejected, who has no place to lay his head. And this man went away sorrowful. That made a little more sense in my head. Because don't we all want to be connected to something? Don't we all want to feel known for something? We want to be known for something good. We want to be known for something noble. We want to be known for something beautiful or cute. We want to be known. We want to belong. We want to feel like we're a part of something. There's a reason that you're here, a reason you belong, our validation, our usefulness, our seeming fruitfulness, a reputation that precedes us. What connects us to this world, Jesus says, cut it off. Dwell alone, leave it behind, and come follow me. He was saying to this man that night, leave all that brings security and have faith. Trust in me when I say in Matthew 19, 29, that everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return, and will inherit eternal life. Jesus says you take all that you are, all that you're known for, all you want to be, all that makes you think you belong, and he says, leave it behind and connect to me. I don't have a home. I don't have a place to dwell my head. I don't have riches that you can hold or houses that you can see or lands that you can walk on. But by faith, if you grab a hold of me and connect to all that I am, you will feel more connected than you ever have before. He says to us, I'm the branch. I'm the connection that you're longing for. I'm the friend that you so desperately want. That club can't make you feel this way. That invitation can't make you feel this way. That person can't make you feel connected. That job can't make you feel like you belong. Those clothes, that house, that car 
can't make you feel like you fit in. But if you abide in me, the branch, and my word abides in you, you will find all you've ever longed for, all you've ever hoped for, all you've ever dreamed for, and all you have ever ached for. But you have to disconnect from the weeds that hold you down first. We have to get the ivy that roots itself out of every place in our heart and touches it if we fully want to be connected to God and bearing fruit. If we want to be connected to God and bearing fruit, there has to be a death first. There has to be a disconnecting. There has to be a plucking, a pruning. I remember much like the story that Debbie had, I was 18 and I just loved the bushes out in front of my house. I just loved them. I love flowers. I love nature. I love being outside. And, and they were those really pretty, you know, green with yellow daisy bushes. And I just loved those because I love daisies and I just loved them. So my dad one day had some gardeners come. We didn't have regular gardeners. So when we did, it was like they were there for 12 hours and you paid them like $5,000, you know. Not that bad, but you know, we were we were those kind of people, and um, and and I remember coming home, and and I loved these bushes. They had flowers. They were so pretty, and I remember coming home, and there was not a leaf left. Not a leaf. Like, this was not pruning. They took our house, and they made it look like a haunted house. It was just like the creepy, like, twigs out in front. Like, we were crazy people with just twigs out in front of our house. So if it wasn't bad enough that we only had a gardener every five years. And, and there was not a leaf left. I mean, they took off flowers. They took off green leaves. They took off everything. But what I didn't realize until it started growing back, like Debbie was saying, so often we don't know that we need to be pruned until it's been done. They looked so dead and brown and ugly compared to what sprang up afterwards. And Jesus says to us tonight, sell all you have that makes you you. Sell it all. Get rid of it. Not your material possessions unless Jesus tells you to. But everything that is in our heart, cut it off. Cut it off. Just connect to Jesus. He says, if you stand here, you can do one of two things. You can stroke your flesh for all you aren't, all you'll never be, all you thought you would be. Or we can sell our supposed rights that we have, take up our cross and follow him, trusting that there's a greater abundance and treasure than there is in the life we thought we wanted. But it takes a death, a stripping away, a barrenness, a shame, an uncovering before we get to that place of being truly connected in and fruitful for Jesus. And I love that he says, Come to me. Because you know what that means? That means he's already there. That's not like my children pushing each other up the dark stairs. You go first. No, you go first. No, you go first. That's him saying, I'm here. Come to me. I'm here. Where you think this pain is, where you think this cutting away is more than you can bear, where you think the stripping off is too painful and too difficult, He says, I'm already here. 
come. And I don't know about you, but I want to disconnect from anywhere that he's not and be planted into anywhere that he is, no matter how greatly the process cuts into my flesh. I want to be where Jesus is. I want to be connected to him because there is nothing like him. There is nothing like being connected to our Savior. He will never leave you out. He will never forget you. He will never pick you last. You're first. You're his treasure. You're his friend. You're his love. You're his bride. And he says to you, come. I know it looks empty. I know it looks barren. I know it looks dry. But would you just trust me and come? Trust me and come. Isaiah 28 says, Give ear and hear my voice. Listen and hear my speech. Does the plowman keep plowing all day to sow? Does he keep turning his soil and breaking the clods? When he has leveled its surface, does he not sow the black cumin and scatter the cumin and plant the wheat in rows, the barley in the appointed place and the spelt in its place? For he instructs him in right judgment. His God teaches him. For the black cumin is not threshed with a threshing sledge, nor is the cartwheel rolled over the cumin, but the black cumin is beat out with a stick, the cumin with a rod. Bread flour must be ground, therefore he does not thresh it forever, break it with his cartwheel, or crush it with his horsemen. This also comes from the Lord of hosts, who is wonderful in counsel and excellent in guidance. I love that it says there that we're sown in the appointed place. What a security there is in that. When you consider all the different types of seeds and planting seeds that there are in this world. My kids and I were watching a science video about that, a moody science video. I love those. Watch them if you have a chance. And um, there's so many different ways that a seed can be planted. You know, some are like picked up by birds and flown and just dropped wherever the bird wants it to go. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like that seed. Sometimes I just feel like I've been scooped up by something, flown away, and just dropped in the middle of nowhere. There's the seeds that are called, oh, I just forgot what they're called, like attacher seeds or traveler seeds, something like that. And so like when an animal or a child is running through a field, it'll attach itself onto the clothes or the fur or whatever's running past it. And then wherever that child or animal just decides to land and roll, that's where the seed ends up being planted. And sometimes I feel like that. Sometimes I feel like a bull has just run past me, picked me up, and then just rolled over, and that's where I am. There's so many different ways that seeds can be planted. But I am so glad that our Savior does not do that to us. I'm so glad that he doesn't pick us up and throw us across the field and wherever we lie, we lie. I'm so glad that I have the security that there is an appointed place that I am sown. There is an appointed place that I am attached to. There is an appointed place that I am planted, and not only that, but his hand is good and sovereign and gentle and tender, and we are sown by him in the best possible way to grow, to thrive, and to bear fruit. There's those seeds that spin around depending on the weather. Do you know what those are called? 
they're not helicopter seats, but I couldn't find these. So the ones that spin around if it's like humid and then it's cold and then it's humid and they keep spinning and then eventually they spin themselves off. But they don't stop there. They're still affected by the weather. So they keep spinning and they end up burying themselves into the ground. And sometimes I feel like that seed. Sometimes I feel like the humidity and the weather is just spinning me around and I don't know what I'm doing and I'm spinning and then I fly off and I'm disconnected and I'm still spinning and I'm burying myself and my wheels are spinning and my life is spinning and I'm spinning plates and I'm buried under all I have to do or I'm buried under all that I feel, all my emotions, all that people are saying, thinking, and feeling about me. Sometimes it feels like we're completely in charge of where we're being buried because we're just spinning out of control and, okay, I just spun my grave, so adios, I'm going right now. That's not the case. We have such a lovely and gentle gardener. His hand is always in control. His branch is always connected to us. And he is always in control of where we are planted. I was thinking about bulbs this week. As I planted mine way too late, I like to wait until they're already sprouting in the bag. <laughs> I always intend not to. <laughs> and I was just thinking about them as, as they're finally coming up because, you know, they've only been in the ground for like a week, even though they were supposed to go in in November. And I was thinking about the bulbs and I thought, how sad to be a bulb. But sometimes I feel like a bulb. You know, you're supposed to plant them in November, this cold, dark, deep, lonely hole that goes through all the snow, all the cold, all the rain, stays outside. I mean, any other seed that you plant, like it's up within 10 days, not a bulb, unless you wait until they're already sprouting, but usually not, not a bulb. They're in the ground, dormant, seemingly dead, forgotten about for six months out in the cold, no evidence that it was planted, no evidence that it's growing, no evidence that it's doing anything except for dead in the ground someday. And don't forget this is like coming off the heels of being like in your dark garage for three months so that it can get rid of all of its greenery. I mean, a bulb. I feel like that sometimes. I feel like I'm buried in this cold, dark ground for months and months, and months, forgotten about, no new life, nothing springing forth, nothing growing, nothing happening, just forgotten and cold. But praise God in his faithfulness, those bulbs, they grow, and they grow because of the cold, they grow because of the dark, and they grow greater and more brilliant and more sturdy. And then they come back for a couple years. They just keep on going because that dark was so good for them. God always knows what he's doing. And maybe that's you tonight. Maybe you feel buried in a cold, dark ground. Maybe nothing's going on. Nothing's happening. Can I just say to you, you're a bulb right now. And your beauty is coming. You haven't been forgotten in a garage. I'm not your gardener. You're not sitting in a bag until you already sprout. have to throw half of you out and get to use some of you. God is a faithful gardener. I have this neighbor. 
And I go walking in the morning, and and I always feel so bad for this tree. I mean, this tree is huge, and it's beautiful. It's it's like so big, and it has those long purple trumpet flowers. You know which ones I'm talking about? I mean, it's just beautiful. It's huge. I've been in that house for two and a half years now, and this tree has been there the whole time, and it's beautiful. But you know what? It's just so sad is you look down at the base of this huge, beautiful purple trumpet flower tree, and it's still in its pot. And the pot is cracked, and the pot's broken, and the roots have, like, come out of the pot and attached themselves to the ground. I mean, it looks so uncomfortable. Like, I can't even tell you how uncomfortable. Like, it makes me shudder, and sometimes I want to walk a different way. Just because this tree looks so uncomfortable. And sometimes that's us. Sometimes we're fruitful. Sometimes it seems like we're alive. God is working. He's moving. But we have never been so uncomfortable in our lives. We've never felt so cramped and stifled and stuffed into a box or a mold. And yet, how faithful is our God to still bear fruit? He brings forth fruit as long as we abide in him. And I love the end of that verse that we just read. It said that he's wonderful in counsel and excellent in guidance. He says to you, I know. I know, little black humans. I know. I know you're like beaten with the rod right now. I know you're threshed. I know you're thrashed. I know you're being like scattered. I know you're being planted. I know you're being sown. But I'm wonderful in counsel and excellent in guidance. And I will not beat you with the stick if you're supposed to be ground. I won't crush you with the horseman. This is not unto your death. I have the sweetest little Cuban pastor's wife friend. And every time I call her and I tell her, la, 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 she says, Christy, you shall not die. And I'm like, okay, okay, I won't die. God says the same thing. You shall not die. I won't crush you with my horsemen. I will not do one thing to you that is not necessary for your growth, for your planting. It's not a punishment. You're not being beaten by a rod so that you can die. You're being beaten by a rod so that you can grow. He knows the exact way to sow, plant, thresh each little herb and grain. And we can rest in the fact that he knows the way we take. This is the way he handles us. And it says that he does all things well. He's our branch. He holds us together. In him all things consist. And what a great promise in that verse that says he does not thresh forever. He does not thresh forever. I've clung to that promise many, many days. He does not thresh forever. It might feel like forever, but it won't be forever. Just until all the chaff is out. And you guys know the process of chaff, right? Wheat is taken up on a high, high hill, and it's beaten, like to smithereens. And all of the chaff, it's called, flies away off into the wind, never to be seen again. And what you're left with is the wheat, the substantial wheat that you can make bread with, that you can use. And if you feel like you're being beaten, 
It's only so that you can be used. It's only to get rid of all the excess. It's just until the wheat is left, just until we've purified and useful for our master's hand. Flowers have to die before the fruit can come. They have to die before the fruit can come. I love this season. I have a peach tree and a plum tree and an apricot tree and two orange trees and a nectarine tree. And they get the sweetest smelling flowers. Beautiful pink flowers on the peach and nectarine tree. Beautiful white orange blossoms on the orange tree. And then I'm always kind of sad because after a couple weeks they're gone. They disappear and it's a really sad moment. But then when the flowers are gone... That's when the fruit comes. The fruit comes. And maybe you're here tonight and you're thinking, well, I don't know why God's taking that stuff away because it was pretty, it smelled good. And he says, oh, just wait. Just wait because the fruit is coming. I'll never forget my first little strawberry plant. And I was so excited because it had little white flowers. And I thought, I'm about to get strawberries. I'm so excited. And my friend came over who's like the best gardener in the whole entire world. And you know what she did? She pinched all my flowers off. Made me so mad. She just took her little nail and she went. And she said, you have to take your flowers off the first year because then the strawberries that come the next year will be even sweeter and bigger. But I was so mad when she took those flowers off. And sometimes that's what God does to us. We have, look what's going on in my life. This is so exciting. This is so fruitful. This is so beautiful. And he goes, and you're like, ow, 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 ow. What? Now I'm just a green vine. And he says, you don't even know the beauty that is going to come forth from you next. We have a loving gardener. Isaiah 5, 1 through 7 says, I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He dug it up and cleared it of stones and planted it with the choicest vines. He built a watchtower in it and cut out a wine press as well. Then he looked for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only bad fruit. And it goes on to talk about the wasteland and the thorns and everything that came from that. And I love that God says, I cleared out of its stones. Remember, those are the cares of the world. Remember that in the parable of the soil? Some seed fell on the stony ground, and it didn't spring up. And some seed fell on the thorny ground, and it was choked out by the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. They had no depth. And I love that God says of that vineyard, what more could have been done for it than I've done for it? And what freedom there is to know that some situations, what more could you have done? There's going to be places where you maybe thought that you were going to be fruitful. People that you thought you were going to be fruitful with. And I love that God takes this verse and says, look, look, I had a vineyard too. I did everything right. I did everything right. But instead of good grapes, I got sour grapes. Because people make choices. And sometimes the fruitfulness is dependent upon us and our abiding in Christ. And other times the fruitfulness is dependent on other people. 
and they're abiding in Christ, and that's their choice. And I love that he says, what more could have been done? And I just felt like maybe there's somebody in here tonight who needs to hear that. That if you're in a situation and there's no fruit, and you've done all that you can do, you've loved, you've poured out, you've forgiven, you've guarded your heart against bitterness, and there's still sour grapes, leave that vineyard to God. Leave it to God. He will do what he can do in his time, but he will not force us to be connected to him. We have a choice. We have a choice. He's our branch. Now my notes say like this branch, and I'm supposed to hold up the orange tree that's not connected to anything that I didn't bring. So again, use your imaginations. It's not visualizing. This is not new age. This is just imaginations and an orange tree. If you have a branch with an orange hanging off of it, but the branch is no longer connected to the tree, we can seem like we're doing okay because we have fruit. Look, look, I have fruit. I have a flower. I have leaves. But it's a false fruitfulness. It's a false righteousness. It's a false peace. It's evidence of a past connection, but not an evidence of a current abiding And maybe you're in that stony vineyard right now. And maybe you don't know why you're not bearing new fruit. Maybe you don't know why you feel dead. When's the last time that you reconnected with your branch, your Savior? Sin separates us from God. It separates us. We can be separated from our branch by our own choice, but not His. I love, love Leviticus. Love it. And I love that he got them into the habit of coming into his presence when they sinned. Satan tells us, you better stay away. Oh, you're going to go to church now? Hypocrite. What are you going to do? I know what you said in the car on the way here. I know what you were thinking about that person. Oh, you're going to raise your hands now? Huh? I know what you were just thinking. He wants to separate us from God. And I love Leviticus because God says to them, did you sin? You better run to my tabernacle. You better run to my presence. You better get there with an animal as fast as you can. Come into my presence when you've sinned. Sin separates us. Satan tells us to stay away. God says, oh. You fell again. Come back. Come back and get connected. When you've messed up, run to his presence. Run with your humility. Find grace. Run into his presence to obtain mercy in your time of need. Don't be tricked into staying separate until you can be right again. Run with your mess and find the mercy that you need. He longs for us to come into his presence that we might be made right with him. He longs for us to be connected with him again. He died on the cross so that the veil could be torn from top to bottom. Is that not like one of the greatest things in the Bible? That when he died on the cross, that this super thick, Super tall veil just went, wah. How long had God been waiting to do that? He just tore it. Nothing stopping you from his presence. Nothing hindering you from running to where he is. 
He made the way into his presence sure and secure so that we would never have to know life apart from him again. So that we would always be connected to our branch. That we would always be able to be abiding in him. Isaiah 55, 12 through 13 says, For you shall go out with joy, be led forth with peace. It's really hard to read this without singing. The mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead, the thorn shall come up the cypress tree. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree, and it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. These trees, Sing and clap because finally there is a freedom and not a bondage. Finally there is life and not death. Finally there is fruit and not failure. Finally there is strength and greatness instead of stinging smallness and thorniness. I love the rainbow in the sky that reminds us that he is faithful and that his mercy endures forever. God doesn't do something without us seeing clearly. He's our branch. We are connected to him. And he will not move us unless the way steams straight before our face. There was that other verse I forgot to write down the reference, but it said that um, that when he puts a banner up in the mountain, we can see it. And when he blows the trumpet, we can hear it. And it talked about his presence dwelling in a hot, sunny day or something like that. When he does something, we'll be able to see it. When he says something, we'll be able to hear it. There's no hidden, hard-to-read, hard-to-hear, hard-to-find, hard-to-see path with God. We're connected to him. It's up to him to move. He moves us. We move in the wind, and sometimes you watch those leaves, and it just seems like they're flying all over the place. But the branch has them, except in fall, but that's a different Bible study. The branch has the leaves. He doesn't ask us to walk through the fog. I was thinking about that this week. Remember how the children of Israel, they were led by the cloud moving. And, you know, sometimes life just seems foggy. Like, it just seems foggy. You don't know which way to go. You don't know what you're supposed to be doing. You know you're connected to the branch, but it just seems foggy. And I thought, I wonder if it was foggy for the children of Israel. Not when they were walking, but when the cloud was coming from the presence of God, when the the cloud was coming from the tabernacle, before it lifted up and started moving, was it like foggy? Was that the time that they knew, like, oh, it's really foggy. I better start packing. Something's going on here. Like, was that their sign? And I felt like, again, when I was praying tonight, that somebody here, maybe me, maybe you, needs to hear that if it feels foggy, it's the presence of God. He's not asking you to walk in the fog. He's not asking you to discern which way you're supposed to go. He's just stirring you up, getting you ready for some pruning, getting you ready for some fruit, getting you ready for something. But that cloud will lift up and depart, and you'll be able to follow it. You won't be walking in the fog. And you know what comes with fog? Dew is on the ground after a foggy morning. 
the dew, the sustaining water that brings life, the sustaining water that brings fruit, is on the ground after the fog. And maybe you're here tonight, and again, you're being pruned in a way you don't understand. Your fruit is being taken off seemingly prematurely, or you don't have any fruit. You're just like a twig outside my house when I was 18. And you don't know what's going on, and it's foggy, and it's a mess, and you're done, and maybe you should just disconnect from this branch because it's not working out. He's holding you so close. He has such great plans for you. You're not being dropped by a bird in the middle of nowhere. You're not spinning your own wheels trying to plant yourself. He has you. Jesus is our branch, and he connects us in a way that we can't be connected to anything else. He brings forth only beauty and only good things from our lives. Exodus 33, 21 God said to Moses, there's a place by me, and you shall stand on the rock. And it's one of my favorite things he's ever said to anybody in the Bible, because so often I want to hear that from my heart. When I feel disconnected, when I walk into a room, and it's terrifying, when I walk into a small group, I don't know why home fellowships terrify me. I don't know. I have this thing, just like walking into a house. And in those moments, In that time where you think you're invisible, forgotten, left out, not wanted, talked about, broken off, left in a garage, God says to you and me tonight, here's a place by me, and you'll stand on the rock. It's solid ground. I'm a solid branch. I've got you securely, and you're always wanted with me. You're always wanted beside me. I will always take you with me. I will always invite you. I will always love you. I will always bring you. I will always bear fruit from you. You will not be forgotten. Because like he promises in Philippians, that he who begins a good work is faithful to complete us. He's called in Hebrews the author and finisher of our faith. Your branch has you, and your branch wants you. And even if you're pinched, the fruit is coming. The fruit's coming. We were talking about that in group tonight, that verse, and I can't remember which one it was, but it said that the fruit will fill the face of the land. The fruit is coming, but the death and pruning comes first. But it's by a loving, gentle hand of God. So, Lord, we just lift up to you are areas that seem so difficult and hurt and stony and thorny. And we can't wait for the day that we will go out with joy and be led forth with peace. And instead of thorns will come the fruit. But God, we trust you. We trust in your mercy. We trust you to bring forth life in a way that we can't imagine. We trust you to bring forth fruit that we might feed and fill and sustain our families and those around us. We trust you to bring forth fruit from our lives. God, would you keep us connected to you? Would you help us cut off anything that is holding us back from you? 
Would you help us to leave all that we ever thought and hoped and connect to you? And, and God, every time we do that, we find that you're actually what we were looking for and longing for anyway. Thank you, Jesus, for being our branch that always wants us. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.